This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? And welcome to episode 173, episode 173 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had the best Thursday of your life. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some great podcasts like Boston Uncommon with Joe Maz, Rambling with a Purpose, A Chance to Strive, 30 Flirty and Surviving, Music You're Missing, burnt toast i'm the promoter he's the dj eat the damn cake drinks after work and two new brand new podcasts called the hobby if you're into sports cards and be fit if you're into fitness you know because i mean who doesn't want to be healthy and speaking of the hobby and if you are into the sports card hobby you can go check out big night breaks Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatnot, every single, night, every single night of the week for personals, group breaks, you name it. And you can always go down in person, check it out down at the Card Vault down at Patriot Place. If you're in Massachusetts, head down to Gillette, Foxborough, that whole area. It's right there. Really, really cool store. Check it out. You can also get free tickets every single Tuesday on the Big Night Media Instagram page with Timmy Ticket Tuesday, and you can go support the Banner Banter podcast by buying some merchandise at BigNightShop.com. Wow, that is always a mouthful. It really and truly is saying all that stuff, but you know, got to support the squad, got to support the brand, you know? Anyways, it's 1-1. 1-1. It is now a best out of five series, and the Celtics have home court advantage. Wow. It is 1-1 in the Eastern Conference Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat after the Boston Celtics destroy the Miami Heat 127-102. Marcus Smart returns. Al Horford returns. Derek White did not play. Marcus Smart returned from his sprained foot injury. Al Horford returned from his COVID situation. He explained after the game that he was feeling a little off. Went, tested, tested positive. Got the two negative tests with like a certain level of, I think it's called CR or something. I don't know. Too much science for me to understand. I'm just glad that it all worked out. And very thankful for the new COVID protocols that the NBA put in place on April 30th because that also helped Al Horford get back a little bit sooner. And before we continue, obviously want to say congratulations to Derek White and his wife for bringing in their first child into the world. That's why Derek White did not play into the game. I'm sure some people were wondering why. That's the reason why. Firstborn child. Congratulations to them. Completely understand and respect why Derek White missed the game. And then for the Miami Heat, Kyle Lowry, he's out again. 
Uh, there's already rumors that he's going to be out for Game 3. P.J. Tucker halfway through the game, got a left knee contusion. They're going to do an MRI tomorrow or if you're listening on Friday, on Friday. Um, and he did not play in the second half, so that could be that could be costly. But what a win, 127-102. Wow, wow, wow. But let's talk about some of the few things that I mentioned in Episode 172. I mean, first off, you got to win quarters and you got to finish quarters out strong. I mean, the Celtics finished the first quarter on a 20 to 3 run. Um, I think that's pretty good. So you won that. Celtics finished the second quarter off well enough to win that quarter by 14. So again, bravo, job well done. And then Jimmy Butler decided to go absolutely apeshit in the third quarter, and the Celtics ended the last four minutes of the third quarter in a plus nine. I think I just said fourth quarter when I mentioned Jimmy Butler. But yeah, Jimmy Butler went nuts in the third quarter. And the Celtics finished the third quarter with four minutes to go, a plus nine. And then, you know, the fourth quarter really didn't matter. So the Celtics won two quarters. They survived the third quarter. And then halfway through, it was just garbage time. So either way, the Celtics did not lose a quarter. They tied two and won two. So you got to love that. And one of the other things I talked about, I mean, the Celtics for 95% of the game, were not lazy. They boxed out very, very well, including number 12. Number 12 had some great blockouts, no doubt about it. They went after the ball. They still gave up too many offensive rebounds for my liking, and that's something that will need to change or at least improve going forward, and I trust Ime and the players can do that. And then I talked about limiting turnovers. I said you cannot make this easy for the Miami Heat. You can't do it. And listen... Before Ime brought in the subs with about, I don't know, five and a half, six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, the Celtics only had nine team turnovers. Nine team turnovers. That's exactly what I was talking about. That's exactly what this team needs. You can't give the Miami Heat easy buckets. You want the Celtics to be able to set up their best defense in the league and make it very difficult for the Heat. Not three straight terrible passes for Jimmy Butler layups like they did in game one but oh <clears throat> speaking of the subs just quick side note I mean what was Ime Adoka doing I mean you're up 30 with like seven minutes to go take everyone out of the game like weird things have happened I don't trust the basketball gods I mean no way Jose if someone got hurt I would have lost my mind so maybe next time get him out a little bit early I mean Jimmy Butler didn't even play the fourth quarter Bam out of bio didn't play the fourth quarter Eric Spolstra knew so yeah but anyways they limited their turnovers they had what 16 or 17 in game two probably I mean uh, game one probably even more and this time around nine before garbage time incredible Absolutely incredible. And then I'll admit, I was wrong. I said to beware of Bam. I, I thought they were going to go after him. I know they ran a couple pick and rolls for him early. And it's just very interesting because whether it was Daniel Tice playing or Rob Williams, you know, Rob Williams obviously isn't the same defender as he is now compared to the bubble. I mean, he's so much better now than the bubble. But remember when Bam Adebayo used to bring the ball up and he'd play a, like a point center position for them and the Celtics didn't know what the hell to do? Clearly, they figured it out. Maybe Brad Stevens gave, gave Ime Adoka some tips, but I, I I really thought Bam Adebayo was going to be a difference, but but he wasn't. You know, Jimmy Butler got his, but the Celtics made it very, very tough for him, and they Al and Rob made it very 
difficult for Bam Adebayo as well. I mean, the whole defense with Marcus Smart, I mean, he denied passes to Jimmy Butler. He didn't switch. Butler still, I think the Celtics did switch more in this game than they did in game one, but there were times where they didn't. And, you know, listen, Jimmy Butler still got his, but it only took, what, eight free throws, maybe nine free throws, which is 10, 11, maybe even 12 less than he did in game one. So, obviously, the Marcus Smart factor was a huge difference there because nothing came easy for Jimmy Butler. And listen, Jimmy Butler will get his. He'll put his head down. He'll, he, he can hit jumpers, and he doesn't care if there's a hand in the face. He finds his spots. We can go on and on about the great offensive play. I mean, he's a great two-way player, no doubt about it, but he's obviously a very, very good offensive player, and I thought Marcus Smart did a phenomenal job on him. I thought the Celtics as a whole did a great job on him. And then uh, what else did I talk about in episode one? Seven? Oh, yeah, I talked about how I wanted the Celtics to attack the rim. And, well, they didn't do that. I mean, they got 42 points in the paint in the first half of game one, and I believe they scored 30, if not less than 30 points the entire game in the po- in, in the uh, in the paint, in the post, whatever. But the, the reason why is because, I mean, the Celtics shot over 51% from three. And just like they did in Game 2 of the Bucks series, you know, just absolutely lights out. 27 assists. They didn't even get to 25 in Game 1. Huh, what do you know? But they were not afraid of the heat zone, and I and I think that was huge. And he may mentioned it after the game. They said that they were going to be ready for the zone. And, you know, there was one time where, you know, Tatum, they the zone kind of shifted to where he was on the court. He skipped the ball over to Jalen, and then he saw an opening and just split right down the middle. Jalen got a bounce pass to him. He went up, got fouled, and got two free throws, and he made both of them. That's how you beat the zone where a couple years ago, younger players, maybe, you know, they don't recognize it as much, and they just say, okay, we'll swing and swing and swing and try and find a good shot. No, the Celtics created different things against that zone, which was great, which was absolutely great. And in... I'll admit, at first, like in the third quarter when that zone kind of came up, that 1-2-2 two, two that they kind of run, it was a little sloppy when they first saw it. But instead of just swinging it, like I mentioned, they were smart enough to see the openings and attack the rim and find the right shot and make a skip pass and throw the ball with purpose. But listen, the Heat took over 33s as well. The Celtics, I think, took a little bit under 40. I think maybe 38 or 39, if if I remember correctly. I, I, I could be wrong. Maybe they did hit the 40 mark in garbage time. I don't remember. But either way, for the Celtics to shoot 50% from three, the Heat were under 30%, I believe, or maybe like 31%, give or take, somewhere in that range. I mean, they did a great job closing out on shooters. They, they were there, got in their people's you know, the shooter's faces, but at times, you know, they were a little late or maybe they didn't put their hand up and some of the shots went in, but they were also very fortunate that a guy like Max Struss or Duncan Robinson that finally came in and played, um, you know, missed some pretty wide open shots there for sure. But we really and truly need to talk about Marcus Smart. I mean, what a game changer. Holy shit. And listen, I, I have no problem admitting this before this season. Actually, probably before January of this season, um, you know, when things were really bad for the Celtics, I was a should we trade Marcus Smart guy. I I, I don't want to say that like I was like, oh, my God, we have to do this right now. But I was definitely on the side that said I wouldn't have been too upset. 
And listen, I'll wave my white flag. I was wrong. And maybe it was just because I was so sick and tired of watching Marcus Smart try and be a guy that he wasn't, try to be like a, a score. But Ime Adoka and this coaching staff, props to them, said, no, you're a point guard. Figure it out. And he has. And he's been incredible once he actually figured it out. Because the first couple months of the season, he didn't figure it out. And any diehard Marcus Smart supporter would, would also say that as well. But he is finally a point guard. He can finally have full control of this team, which is something I know he's always wanted. So you have to you have to just tip your cap to him. No doubt about it. When you're wrong, you're wrong. And this team would not be in the position that they are right now without Marcus Smart this year. No doubt about it. You know, there are times that sometimes they play well without him and other times they don't. They played terrible in game one without him and then they played great in game two. So... Those are obviously things that you you have to appreciate about Marcus Smart. But, like, this dude tonight was a plus 31, and they won by 25 points. Like, that's fucking insane. I mean, he did not shut up. Like, basically, the way I talked about Marcus Smart, like, two years ago is, like, how how can I say this the right way? Think about it, Tim. Think about it. So, basically, the way Marcus Smart started off this basketball game is the reason why I was not a fan of him a couple of years ago because it was just jack up shots, jack up shots, jack up shots, don't get others involved. And that was kind of annoying. But he got others involved, the shots started falling, and it was just very, very nice. I, I don't know what happened, but it happened. But for him to have 24 points, 12 assists, one rebound short of a triple-double, he caused havoc on defense. He found the right guys in the right spots. Wasn't too cute with the basketball. He was a little too cute on one play with a layup that he missed, but whatever. He's not perfect. No one is. But just an unreal game for him. He only had one turnover. And listen... There was some veteran leadership by Marcus Smart out there tonight, some energy, and I think the Jays really responded. The Jays, you know, obviously Tatum played an unbelievable first half in game one and sucked in the second half. And Jalen Brown kind of just had a meh game overall. I know he went on a little bit of a run late in that third quarter, started the fourth quarter, but overall, meh. But I, before I begin talking about the the two of them, I do have to say I would like to see Jason Tatum be a little bit more aggressive on the boards. I know he got more than Al and Rob did, and I know Jalen got more than Rob and Al did combined. Jalen's been great on the boards so far in this series, but between the two of them, they... How can I say this the right way? I feel like I can't put my, my thoughts correctly today, but both of them just have to be more aggressive rebounding the basketball they have to realize how important it is not to allow a team with great three-point shooting like the miami heat second chance points and i think they do realize that and i'm sure they're exhausted because the amount of touches that they get on the offensive end and how much it's needed i get it but a little bit more effort on the rebounding side would be lovely but the fact that the two of these guys were 17 out of 30 from the field and it seemed like in game one they were like 11 for a million you just love to see that. They took their shots, the ones that they wanted. They found their spots. They found the right opening in the heat defense, whether it was man-to-man, -man, a zone, whatever the case may be. It was a very mature response from both players after a very rocky game one, for sure. No doubt about it. And you, speaking about maturity, the Celtics didn't complain a lot in this game to the refs and 
he, clearly Ime got through to him, something, you know, that Brad Stevens could never do, which obviously sucks, but, I mean, it is what it is. But performances like this one between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is the reason why the Celtics can win this series. If they play smart, intelligent team basketball, I like, I don't know, I'm like Mike Jones smiling right now. Good things are on the way. But you know what's even crazier than a plus 31? Peyton Pritchard, plus 39. Number 12, a plus 37. Literally, plus 37 and a plus 39 for number 12 and Peyton Pritchard. Number 12 boxed out well. He played well. Um, But here's the thing. Why can't he do it for two games in a row? He sucked in game one. He's great in game two. Can number 12 be good? solid, somewhat reasonable in Game 3. We have yet to see back-to-back games from that. And I I swear to God, if he does it, his his confidence will be sky-high. And he got the shit kicked out of him in this game, not going to lie. He's a tough son of a gun. He really is. He got to the line eight times. But here's the thing. Sometimes when he drives, like, to the hoop, I, I don't even think he knows what he's going to do. It, it's very scary. But Peyton Pritchard, solid game, hit some threes. You didn't really notice him on defense that much. I feel like the the Celtics did what I asked. They tried to hide him. Not a not a lot of switches. Obviously, it helps when Marcus Smart's out there. Of course, um, I mean Marcus Smart. The fact that his first game back, he played forty minutes is insane. But the, I also liked how Peyton Pritchard. You know, when he got a shot, he saw a defender come at him, did a shot fake, took a dribble, took a shot. Love to see that taking steps in. So, yeah, overall, just a, a great win from the Celtics. So. What can they do? Game three, Saturday night, 8.30 p.m., TD Garden. The first thing that they have to realize, and I know I said this in uh, round two, right before game three, the three-pointers might not fall the same way as they did in game two. So if you can get the first half points in the paint from game one and then reasonable three-point shooting, like not as good because it's going to be tough, but just somewhat something like that, three-point shooting-wise from Game 2, you're going to be tough to beat. I mean, hell, you may even win the series. Like, seriously, it, it it's going to be crazy. But the defense has to be the same. You have to make everything difficult, just not for Jimmy Butler, but for their entire team because those guys can be uncomfortable. Gabe Vincent doesn't seem to be that uncomfortable with some of the pressure that he gets, but everyone else seems to be very, very uncomfortable. Keep your arms up. Max Struss has a very quick shot release. Just make them feel uncomfortable. But... Part of that is transition defense. The Celtics in Game 2 only allowed 8 transition points for the Miami Heat. And in Game 1, 17. So the fact that they cut that in half is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And if you can keep Bam Adebayo to only having 6 points, also phenomenal stuff. Like, Bam Adebayo only having 6 points is insane. But here's the thing. The Boston Celtics have to be ready for the Miami Heat to come out swinging with like brass knuckles. They were embarrassed on their home court and won't take that loss lightly at all. So continue to pass with the purpose. Attack the rim. Box out. And I I know I'm being a broken record, but if the Celtics can just do the basics against this team, but like do it on steroids and don't overthink, like they got this. Like don't overthink about them coming at you hard because they're going to don't overthink about them when they play zone and then switch it up to man and then go back to zone like they will try and be in the passing lanes as much as possible to get those easy transition points so don't overthink it and don't try and force a pass so just literally do the basics on steroids 
I would also like to see Al and Rob get more involved in the offense, whether that's with pick and roll, pick and pop, whatever the case may be, throw some lobs, drive and kick to Al, top of the key for some three-pointers. I would like to see the both of them get involved more. I think the two of them combined should be taking more than seven shots personally, but hey, Al Horford was four for four, didn't miss any of them, 10 points. Okay, I'm fine. And then lastly, take advantage of home court. Celtics right now, the rest of the way, have three home games. The Heat only have two. If this does go seven, take advantage of home court. We have the best fans in the motherfucking world. TD Garden, Saturday night, 8.30 start. That place is going to be rocking. And I'll see you there. And I can't wait. And that's it for episode 173 of the Banner Banter Podcast. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Thanks so much for listening as always. Thanks so much for the support. We will talk Sunday morning, bright and early, for episode 174. We'll talk then. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.